Well, praise the Lord and good day to you. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on this rainy and stormy right now, Monday morning. It is June the 26th, 2023, and we're gathered around God's Word. I hope you'd get your Bible, pencil, paper, follow along with us. You're going to need it today as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through this last section of 1 Peter chapter 4. And we will focus today on how suffering as a Christian relates to the judgment of God coming to the house of God first. I've never really seen this. I've never really known this. And uh, But when you uh, begin to study the Word of God as you should, which is you're not just opening the Bible and grabbing a Bible verse out of it and doing what I want to with it, but it's it's understanding that these were letters written and there was an overall context or maybe there were different points being made, but uh, you can't. You have to read before and after a verse to understand the Bible. The Holy Spirit will teach you to do this, and He will be able to impart to you the truth that is really there, hidden, not from you, but for you. He wants to uh, apply the truth more than you want Him to apply the truth, and and He will do that if we open our hearts to the truth of God's Word as we learn to righteously divide God's word. So here again, we're in 1 Peter chapter 4. This is part 10 of this uh, this uh, fourth uh, chapter uh, that we're in. And it's just been a tremendous blessing for me seeing so many new things that I've never seen before, which is always the beauty of, of studying God's word. But not only seeing new things, but seeing the things that we already had a little knowledge of in a deeper way, and most importantly, allowing the Holy Spirit to apply these truths to our walk with our Lord. Amen. So let's start today in verse 16. And again, I believe the Lord is going to show us some things today that that some of us maybe have never seen before, never uh, seen put together as it should be before. So let's get into this today. It's so wonderful. I just have to believe the Lord himself is going to impart truth into the hearts that are hungry for truth. He's going to show us some wonderful things today, and I'm thankful for his faithfulness to do that for us who value his word enough to be in it and allow it to abide in us. Hallelujah. Verse 16, 1 Peter chapter 4, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And it really means in this matter of suffering as a Christian is going to happen if you're living godly in Christ Jesus. That's what uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. And he gives this concrete, absolute truth that cannot be avoided. It, it, and it brings much conviction to the child of God who's longing to live for God, longing to please God with all his heart. It brings much conviction. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. And of course, we should say, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, 
who is God. Listen carefully. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's no way around it. You're going to suffer if you're carrying the testimony of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Not just Jesus, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Not just Jesus loves you, but Jesus loves you enough that He laid His life down for you. We can never leave the cross out of our testimony, of our preaching, of our teaching, of our sharing uh, Christ, uh, uh, being a testimony, being a witness. You, you can never leave the cross of Christ out for if you do, you're leaving the avenue out by which we live godly in Christ Jesus. That's what's wrong with the church today. They just want Jesus. I, I speak from experience, my own self, from the past. We just wanted Jesus without the cross. And it won't work. It won't work. It won't work one minute of one day. It won't work because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, works exclusively within the perimeters of one's faith in the death of Jesus, the very cross of Christ, the true gospel. And faith in anything else, God will not deviate from this avenue, this prescribed order, not just of victory, but of walking with the Lord in any, at any time. So it requires faith from the heart in the sacrifice of Christ, not just Jesus. So that's the problem in the church today. And that's how we find all these different Jesuses being preached today. It must be the testimony of God, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So if we are living godly, here it comes, in Christ Jesus, meaning faith in His death, because that's what in Christ Jesus means. It means absolutely nothing else. They that shall live godly, those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So back to verse 16 here in 1 Peter chapter 4. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf because he's suffering for being a Christian. Let him glorify God. This is what the disciples, the apostles, and the early church knew. That's why they rejoiced at even being found worthy to suffer for Christ, with Christ. Get this now. And if we... Listen, the reason this is written here for us is because there is a great tendency to become ashamed of what's causing our suffering. And we will either glorify God as we suffer for living godly in Christ Jesus as a Christian. We will, we will boast in the cross. We will glorify God because of the suffering that we're experiencing as a Christian. Or... And we will draw closer to become more determined to know nothing else. Or if we become ashamed 
because of our flesh and people, our flesh and people, then we'll find ourselves moving away from what we're ashamed of and back among those who only have a testimony. They only have a testimony, but there's no living godly in Christ Jesus. How do I know? Because there is no suffering criticism and persecution. There's no suffering. Get that now. If we become ashamed of the suffering for Christianity, then we'll move away from the focus of what brings the suffering. This is why, this is the reason why the message of the cross, the true gospel, the focus of the Lamb is departed from slowly being saturated with leaven because if you just continue to become more determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, my friend, you're going to be lamb-blasted with criticism and, and, and the, the oppression of men and, and the wrath of men. and they, They've made a law out of preaching the cross. They, they, they're saying you got to say the cross a hundred times in a message when nobody has ever said that that I've heard and 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 all the they're elitist and they're not loving and all these oppressive words coming from those who are becoming ashamed they're becoming ashamed because with Christianity being lived out let me say that not with just being a Christian but living godly as a Christian in Christ Jesus brings persecution. So when you hear people say, well, they're saying the same thing we're saying, they're just not saying it with the same words. But there's no offense in what they're saying. There's no offense. They got hundreds and thousands of people flocking to hear what they're saying, and there's never hundreds or thousands of people flocking to hear the message of being determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. So we're going to see something marvelous today, something new for most of us. I know it will be, and... uh, because I've been in the Word almost every day of my life since June this month of 1994. Almost 30 years. Next year, I think, will be 30 years. Almost every day of my life I've been in the Word, and I still only know a very little bit. But I am learning, and I am growing, and I am thankful for the process of progress in this place called of being in Christ and learning and growing and being led by the spirit of truth into more truth. So uh, I believe the Lord is going to show us something today. And the way he's going to do that this morning is by us seeing what's written in verse 16 and then reading verse 17 and 18 and, and looking at this scripture that we've used many, many times, and if most people, Christians, pastors would be honest, they really, really didn't know what to do with this verse 17 that says, For the time is come. And this was written, my friends, 19, 1900 years ago. 
So if the time has come back then, the time surely is come for us and now is even coming to the very end of this time we call the end of the age. But watch this in verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? Now, let's read the next verse. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now get this. Notice this today in your Bibles. Verse 16 says, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed of his suffering as a Christian, which is his walking in obedience to the gospel. Watch. But let him glorify God on this behalf, in this matter of suffering as a Christian because he is found obeying the gospel. That means maintaining his faith in the sacrifice. That's exactly what it means. And the next verse says, For the time has come. That judgment, this judgment, this judgment by which we know God, Psalms 9 and 16, I believe that's right, I have it here, let's look at it. Psalms 9 16 says, The Lord is known. Do you know him? Well, listen to what the Bible says. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. We discussed this in our last session, and it's so powerful. You and I as Christians know the Lord by the judgment he executed on his son, Jesus Christ, at Calvary for our sins, for us to be forgiven, washed clean, hallelujah, and to be with him eternally. But the, the next part of this Psalms 916 is the, the opposite, the contrary to that, to our knowledge. If we don't know him by the judgment which he executes in salvation, listen to this, the wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. See, it shows two different uh, possibilities, two different avenues rather. You can either know God through the judgment he executed for your sins on his son at Calvary, or you can be snared in the work of your own hands. And if you stay snared in the work of your own hands, you will be cast into a devil's hell. But you can know God through the judgment he executed on his son at Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. But this next, this verse 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. This is the judgment that has begun at the house of God. Listen, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not 
the gospel of God. Now, when you look at this and you allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to piece this together for you, you will see the judgment that begins at the house of God is the judgment of God in the hearts of those who are obeying the gospel, meaning their faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. How do we know it means that? Well, let's turn over to the book of Romans chapter 6 in verse 17. And the Bible here says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Then being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So we see here the form of doctrine that we obeyed, the Bible says. We believed it. God sees us believing that form of doctrine that forgave us of our sin and made us servants of righteousness, God sees our believing that with the heart, which is Romans 10 and 10, believing unto righteousness, becoming a servant of righteousness and made righteous in Christ. God sees our believing that as obeying the gospel. Not when we go and do something, but when our faith is in what His Son did for us at Calvary. Are you okay this morning? I hope you're understanding where the Lord is going with this. If not, you will here in just a moment. So first of all, on the first side of this judgment beginning in the house of God, for those who are obeying the gospel, we see if any man suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed about that, but glorify God because of that. Hallelujah. And on the other side of this scripture, this Bible verse, it tells me, tells us judgment must begin at the house of God in the lives of those that are obeying the gospel. See, and this is not talking about back when you were born again and initially obeyed the gospel. This is talking in the context here of living this life and suffering for living what we became when we were born again. Suffering for being a Christian, living as a Christian, living godly in Christ Jesus, not being ashamed of the gospel. When the suffering stops, the shame has come in. When the suffering stops, the testimony has ceased. Christians want to know why they're not suffering. Why is there not much suffering in, in America? Because there's not much testimony of Christ crucified. That is where the rub comes in. You talk about Jesus all day long. Folk don't really care for the most part because there are many, many Jesuses being taught and preached. But Jesus Christ and Him crucified, my friend, when you bring the cross in, you bring the offense in, and when the offense comes in, the suffering begins. The judgment of God begins. Get that. When, when you receive the gospel, you, you received the judgment of God for your sins on Christ at Calvary. When you walk with your faith in that and you refuse to back away from that but become more determined to know nothing but that, then you're going to suffer. The Bible says you are going to suffer. 
It doesn't say you might every once in a while. They that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Amen. The word Jesus, for the most part, at least in our nation, you're not, you're not going to suffer. There are people who are lost and going to hell and use the name Jesus and think they even know Him. But they've never come to the saving knowledge of Christ through faith in His sacrifice exclusively, and we'll see that here written, exclusively without adding to it, taking away from it, not Jesus and, just Jesus crucified. Not Jesus and Mary, not Jesus and water baptism, not Jesus and a member of a church, not Jesus and any... Well, listen, get this very clearly. According to the Scriptures, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. One more and eliminates you from the benefits of His sacrifice. I want to say that again. Jesus Christ and Him crucified, period. When your faith is in His death, you have access to all the benefits that grace will bring you. But when you put another and, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and, my friend, you've fallen from grace. Because that second and moves your focus of faith in Christ crucified to now faith in whatever's on the second part of your and. <coughs> because see, if it's, <coughs> I'm sorry, Jesus Christ and Him crucified and whatever that is, God sees that as a statement to Him that Christ crucified is not enough. But he also sees it as the shame remover, as the shame, as the shame remover. Because it's not just Christ crucified. If it's just Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you're going to suffer for that. You're going to suffer Christianity for being a Christian. <clears throat> I want you to know these things. Watch this now. Verse 18 on the other side of this verse that tells, tells us judgment begins at the house of God. That's where judgment begins. Because God's judgment is always related to Jesus Christ crucified. That's God's judgment. You do understand that, right? Jesus Christ crucified is the judgment of God. All the judgments... The, 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 the great white throne judgment of why every unbeliever will be there judged, condemned by God and cast into a lake of fire is because they never believed in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Think about it. The, 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 the judgment seat of Christ is for Christians only who will not be condemned for sin, but will face the realities of what they did, good and bad, in the body here in this life. 
And that is all based, my friends, on what we did with the judgment of God, which is the cross of Christ. Everything. Everything that was good in our lives that we put our hands to, it's considered good by God because the Holy Spirit was in it and working it in and through our lives. And He only does that according to the new covenant law when our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. Outside of that, the Holy Spirit can't work. He can't work. Romans 8 and 2 tells us that there's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You might say, well, I'm in Christ Jesus, so, you know, anything good is the Holy Spirit. No. <clears throat> Finish the verse, Romans 8, 2. Let's read it again. For the law of the Spirit of life, the law of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Where were we made free from the law of sin and death at the cross. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. When we accepted the truth of Christ being the Son of God and His death being that which purchased us by His blood, we were born again. Hallelujah to the Lamb. We were born again because we accepted God's judgment of our sin being placed on Christ and Him being made sin, the sin offering for us and us becoming the servants of righteousness in Him, being righteous in Him. We accepted that judgment. And all who don't <coughs> will be judged later and condemned later for not accepting that judgment that saves all of God's judgments are based on what His Son did at Calvary. Everything is based on that. The Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So watch this now, verse 18. And remember, we don't just take verse 18 and take it over here and do what we want to with it. Verse 18 is attached to verse 17 and 16 and the rest of this entire first letter, which we've already realized at the leading of the Holy Spirit, the context of it is suffering. Every time Peter ventures out to say something in this first letter, it always comes back to suffering. And if you're not willing to suffer for your Christianity, then you might need to reevaluate what you're calling Christianity. Because, my friend, if you're seeing it right, meaning if you're looking at Calvary, the Christ, the Lamb of God, and what He did at Calvary, if you're seeing it right, you're going to value it worth much suffering. Not just value it worth suffering for, but to be a, you're going to place such a value on it if you're looking only at the cross. This is why people move away from suffering because it brings shame from other people. Get this now. If we're beholding the Lamb crucified, we're going to have the right value placed on suffering. And only there, my friend, are we going to be able to rejoice and glorify God in this very matter. So, verse 18. 
And if the righteous, that means those who are saved and have been declared by God to be righteous in Christ Jesus because their faith was placed from their heart in the death of Christ Jesus, if they're scarcely saved, and, and this really is talking about, the, you got to get this. This is why, let me say something to all those who are out there who's, who the Lord has been able to bring back to their first love, been, been able to bring back to the place now where you realize you must be becoming more determined than ever before to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, to find your boast in nothing other than the cross of Christ, and to move away from those who say that you don't need to mention redemption in every message, which they're actually saying in God's ears that you don't need to bring the Lamb into everything. And where the Lamb is not brought into anything or everything, wherever He's not brought, Brought into That means Christ crucified, the Lamb. Where He's not brought into the message, there can be no light coming from that message. The Lamb is the light. Hallelujah. Not just of the coming New Jerusalem, the Lamb is the light of God among men. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah. That's exciting. So you must move away from those who are moving away from the, the suffering that's there. Uh, but whatever reason it may be, it, 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 you must move away from those who, because they've been saturated and, and they're moving slowly and slowly away with all these excuses. You must continue to love them and pray for them but you must move away from that mixture, that saturation, because if you don't, you will become saturated just like them. And it's happened from the time the church has started, uh, way back 1900, 2000 years ago, rather. You, if you allow the mixture, you will become saturated. And it, it's all... In a, in a, to avoid suffering, avoid suffering. You, you know, many have suffered for years at the, at the determination to know nothing else. But it, listen, Christianity, living as a Christian, not, not on our own terms, but being determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, that is living as a Christian. Is, is In this world, it, it's like a dripping faucet that won't ever stop. It won't ever stop, and, and it becomes an offense, and, and the town gets sick of hearing it. And, and I have to say this, every time there's been a town or a city where a church, a local church, has been established, doesn't matter if there's five people there or 105, uh, where the, this message is there, it begins to shine the light on all the false doctrine and, 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 and this message alone brings the clarity to all of God's word because it brings the lamb as the light into the study, the preaching, the teaching, the, the ministry of any kind. Hallelujah. And, and, and it brings clarity and it begins to uh, cause these 
Christians in all this town or this city or wherever it is to begin to question things they're hearing. And that causes no small stir, my friend. It's always the religious people that get their feathers ruffled. It's, I know I'm talking about me even in the past when I began to hear the message of the cross. Well, I turned that off. I didn't like it. It was coming against what my faith was in because it surely was not in the cross. I would say I believe in the cross like everybody, but that's not what my faith was in. That's not what I was trusting. How did I know? Because that was not what I was teaching and preaching. My friend, your faith is in what you're teaching and preaching. That's why there can be no message without redemption. None. If there is, then redemption can't be a part. And I need, listen, I need more as a Christian. I need more than to, I've already been redeemed by the blood and had my course changed. I'm no longer going to hell. I don't need to be redeemed from going to hell. Now I need daily soul redemption. The Lord restoring my, restoring my, every aspect of the, 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 the benefits of living saved can only come from what saved me and faith in that. So, you know, I, you know I, I speak from experience. I know what it's like to get up and tell the powerful stories of the old covenant that really can be dramatically portrayed in, among good storytellers. But if they don't climax at Calvary, they don't have the climax and the, 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 uh, any way to be imparted by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. He can only impart the Word of God if it's seen through the blood of Jesus. As Moses said in Exodus 24, 8, Behold the blood of the covenant. He didn't say behold the law. He didn't say behold the Word of God. He said behold, look at the blood of the covenant that I've given for you on this altar concerning all these words. So you see, the blood of the covenant has to be involved in all the words if we want to walk in the light. The light always brings clarity. Watch this now. And if the righteous... I said all of that little spiel there because the Holy Spirit wants us to know this verse 18 speaks of the narrowness and the exclusivity of the way of salvation. Scarcely have the righteous been saved. Get that. The way is narrow. It's narrow. The way of being saved is narrow. Jesus said it is so narrow, it's so scarce that few will find it. Get that. Now that's the words of our Savior. Let's read it now. And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Through the one door, one door, not two, Christ crucified. Not two, not not another door of water baptism, another door of praying to whoever, another door of doing anything. It's either Christ and His work or it's us and our work. And that's what our faith moves from Christ crucified to what we do. It's not just Christ crucified and something. It's Christ crucified. And then, 
we're in Christ and then the Holy Spirit begins to lead us into being found obedient to the Word of God and we're water baptized and we're planted in a local church and we're giving to the work of God and we're doing the works of God. But always remember, according to Ephesians 2.10, the works we're ordained to walk in are in Christ Jesus and you can't get, you can't enter into Christ Jesus unless your faith is in His death. Get that. So that means I can't be, I can't do anything, which is I can't go and be baptized by another man in water. That's what we're doing with our own hands and our own bodies. I can't do that to immerse me into the body of Christ. Because it's not water that immerses me into the body of Christ. It's the blood of Jesus and my faith in that alone that immerses me into the body of Christ. Watch. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Well, they're going to appear at the great white throne judgment, one last stop before they're thrown into a lake of fire for all eternity. That's where they're going to appear. You and I, as children of God, have scarcely, that means narrowly, and through this exclusive path of believing in Christ, crucified. We've been saved. We've been delivered. We've been brought into the body of Christ. We, 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 we've entered into union with our Savior and our God. But this way is a, is a scarce way. That means there's few on this way because men make it look like the way, the way is many. Jesus said that would happen, did he not? I mean, Hollywood says, for the most part, Hollywood says you're a fool if you think there's only one way to God. Well, this Bible verse refutes that. Jesus refuted it himself when he said, no, there's no way to the Father except through Him. Well, how do you get to the Father through Him? Through faith, you got to be in Him. You got to believe by faith in what He did at Calvary to enter into Him, and then you've made it to the Father through Christ is faith in his death. And people will tell you, it don't just have to be Hollywood, but for some reason, Satan has a loud voice through Hollywood. But if you believe there's more than one way to heaven, you haven't entered into this scarcely place, this scarce place of becoming righteous in Christ Jesus. You won't do it. And that's why there's words of oppression slang out at those who are determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. You know, there are preachers today who... It's happening every day. And they're finding themselves in trouble in their marriage. And it's not preachers that have been... It's not preachers that have not been offered this great truth. And hopefully the, the, the horrendous things that they go through, I hate that they have to go through it, but I went through horrible things when I didn't know it either. <coughs> but hopefully the suffering for 
committing sins because they don't understand how the power of God works, which is through faith exclusively in this scarce place of being in the cross of Christ. Hopefully the horrendous things they go through will bring them to a place of realizing I don't have what I, I need. I don't know what I need to know. I, I, I don't have, I, if, if I would have known something, surely, if I would have had something, surely this wouldn't have. Now, not all that go through that are even going to find this place of restoration through faith in the sacrifice. They'll just, they'll just go through it and, and certain amount of time and they'll say time heals all things. Time don't heal anything. Jesus is the healer, not time. Jesus is the restorer, not time. But there are preachers that we personally know who have found themselves in terrible places with their wives, with their families, in many other areas because they did not receive this truth. They flat out said, no, I'm going on with the way of Pentecost over the way of cross. They weighed Pentecost, and I'm talking about Pentecostal folk like we are. They weighed Pentecost so much higher than the preaching of the cross, and when you do that, you're in a sinking boat of trouble because God didn't say the one thing He's allowed us to boast in is Pentecost, but rather the cross, Galatians 6 and 14. There's only one thing God has allowed His people to boast in, and that's the cross. Why is that? Because that's the only place where our faith can be even as a Christian to where we find our union with Christ in our experience of Christ and our fruit be of the Spirit of Christ. It's the only place. It's a scarce place. This is even scarcely heard of among those who have become born again. But the Word is out. The Word is here. Get this now. Let's move on. Let's read these three verses together again and watch the wording one more time. Verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf, because the time has come that the judgment, that judgment must begin at the house of God. <clears throat> what, is, what is the manifestation of judgment beginning at the house of God? Those who live as a Christian and suffer as a Christian, not suffer as an evildoer, not suffer for your sins, but those who suffer for being a Christian, those who suffer for being determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, those who suffer for their testimony of Christ crucified, will learn to glorify God even in that suffering. And that is when the Bible says 
because the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. This judgment that has saved us, but yet brings suffering. Okay. We like the first part. We're not fond of the second part. But the second part will always follow the first part or we've moved to some degree away. And that's why our lives as Christians can become like roller coasters, up and down. We must keep the faith. And saying, I'm keeping the faith, or telling others we must keep the faith, is not keeping the faith. Keeping the faith that we've received, that measure, Romans 12, 3, will prevent us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That alone tells us what the measure of faith we've been given must be placed in because unless it's in the cross of Christ, we're absolutely going to be thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought, which removes us from suffering. That's what thing. Listen, if we've moved away from suffering for the testimony of Christ crucified, it's because we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to be. Thinking more highly of myself than I ought to be will always cause me to be, I'll never admit it. Now, I'll never admit it, but it brings shame. I'll start feeling ashamed. They're making me feel ashamed because of what I believe. They're throwing all these darts at me. You, you, you're, you, they're nothing more than elitist. They're, they, they, they're they're, all these phrases they use now, those are darts. Those are darts that they can try to build a case. I've been there. I've done this. I'm not talking about other people that I haven't been a part of before. But when we're doing this, saying negative things about those who are suffering for their testimony of Christ crucified, and when we're saying negative things about their constant preaching what God says in the Word is the power of God, when we're speaking anything negative against them, such as words and let me say something personal to some of you who I know watch, who you respect certain ministers and you honor them, but in underlying words framed deceitfully and put together, they will make comments like, you better be careful with them. You better be careful with them. Oh yeah, they're preaching it, but you better be careful with them. That right there, my friend, is a lasso around your neck pulling you toward them. You don't have to be careful around me, but you better be careful around them. I've never heard that said except where it's concerning those who are determined, becoming determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Oh, I've heard it said about those who are teaching false things, but I'm talking about those comments that are being made by those who claim to be preaching the cross toward others who claim to be preaching the cross. Get this now. It's easy to find ourselves moving away from suffering to be able to move back into the place called back padding. 
I need a, I need a pat on the back. It just comes a point. What does the world say? And the church accepts it. There's only so much we can take. That's the last straw. That, you know, there's only so much a man can take. Thank God that Jesus didn't say that and come down from the cross. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Despise the shame. Hallelujah. And being seated at the right hand of God our Father. Hallelujah. If Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, that joy becoming our strength to be able to endure the denial of self, taking up our cross to be able to follow him and to live a Christian godly life in Christ Jesus and to rejoice that we can glorify God in suffering, my friend, that ought to be our lives. Do we get it right? Do we do, we do it all the time? Are we perfect in it? No, but we should be striving together for the faith of the gospel and the determination to know nothing else. Nothing else. Watch this now. Let's start over. Y'all held me up again. We didn't make it all the way through. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, verse 16... Don't be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Because the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. This judgment that allows us to suffer, hallelujah, for the glory of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? See, it's so beautiful as it's laid out here that the judgment of God has everything to do with obeying the gospel of God. Get that. And while you're obeying the gospel of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to face suffering. You're going to sometimes at home, among you and your spouse or your children or your co-workers or those when you begin to see this truth and you begin to walk in this truth and the pastor at that church doesn't like this determination, this focus now that you have because it's not his and you find yourself coming to a decision you have to make to dust your feet off and move on because you are not called to be planted in a mixture there will always be mixtures among the people in the congregation. But where the cross is not the only boast and the focus of ministry in a local church, my friend, if people are keeping you there for the love of people, my friend, you've missed the correct interpretation of the Holy Spirit of God's Word. God says you shake the dust off your feet and move on and instead of being found planted where you planted yourself because of family or friends, you allow the Lord to plant you in the body where it pleases Him. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that the, it pleases the Lord to plant us in the body where He plants us in the body and He won't ever, and I don't care the excuses that I've heard all these years, our Lord will never plant us where we can't grow. And we can't grow if our faith is not still in where He planted us in the beginning, which was in the death of Jesus. Amen. If we be planted in the likeness of His death, Meaning you got to keep hearing this message to stay planted in your experience. Oh, you've been planted. 
It's a reality and it's a truth. And you believing it doesn't make it true. If you believing it, that won't make it real. It'll just make it true and real for you. It's real and true if you become a Christian and it awaits your experience. But your faith has to be in that very thing that allowed you to be planted with Christ, which is your faith in His death, planted you in the likeness of His death. And when you keep your faith there, not in this or all these other things that these false ministers all over the world today are pointing you to, if you keep your faith where it was when you first believed, then you'll find the Holy Spirit working and building and strengthening and giving you the grace to glorify God even when you're suffering, when mom and dad don't like this way, the preacher don't like this way, your friends now, your spouse now, there's grace there for you to walk in even when they won't any longer walk with you in the light that is the light according to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Because the time is come. If any man suffer as a Christian, don't let him be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf because the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? But he's not through. He says, and if the righteous scarcely in this scarce place, this exclusive place, be saved. This one avenue, Christ crucified, be saved. Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Well, first of all, in this life, in this world, they're not going to appear to God as anything but dead men walking. And then they're going to appear to him as dead men in their sins at the great white throne judgment. And all the works they claim they did in the name of Christ won't make a hill of beans to God. And he will tell them, I don't know who you are, but this is who you are. You are workers of iniquity because they've been snared by the work of their own hands and not the work of Christ. Get that. Then he says... In verse 19, the last verse of this chapter, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, which is being found by God, obeying the gospel, living the Christian life, keeping, maintaining, fighting to keep your faith in the death of Jesus. Amen. Becoming determined to know nothing other than Christ crucified. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Notice that we cannot commit our souls unto God unless we are committing our souls to Him in well-doing. Doing. We're not committed to God because we say we are. Well, I'm committed to serve God. I'm committed to God. We're, listen, let's read this again. Watch. Wherefore, let them that suffer, instead of becoming ashamed for being a Christian, 
Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him. He's the keeper of our soul, the anchor of our soul, the lover of our soul. Why, why push that away? It doesn't change the status of who He is, but it changes the experience of our lives here now as Christians if we refuse to commit the keeping of our soul to Him in well-doing. You see, well-doing cannot take place if I become ashamed when I'm criticized or persecuted, when I suffer, if I become ashamed instead of glorifying God for the avenue and, the, and, the, and, and be... Listen, if I can't glorify God because I am being because I am suffering for my Christianity, for my testimony of Christ crucified, if I, if, if, I, if, I, if I become ashamed of that to avoid suffering because of that, then I can't commit my soul to Him in well-doing because well-doing, hear this very clearly, well-doing cannot happen without the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works exclusively within the perimeters of the new covenant law, Romans 8 and 2. Think about it. Psalms 33, 4, even from the Old Testament points to the new covenant law, that, that the word of the Lord, Psalms 33, 4, for the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in, in truth. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is the truth and what makes him the applicable truth to my life so that I can experience well-doing by the Spirit of God is my faith in his death. When I move away from that, I can do no Good. I can experience no well-doing even if I'm doing what men say is well. Because the flesh can do what appears to be good, but the Bible says the flesh cannot please God. It must be the Spirit of God working through these members for it to be pleasing and good to God. And he cannot do that, my friend, unless he finds in the heart, in the heart of the Christian, that faith that we receive, the measure of faith being exercised in the very object that allowed him to give us that measure, which was our hearts believing unto righteousness, meaning the Son of God, that righteous Savior, that righteous branch, that righteous Lord, doing the work Himself of righteousness at the cross. For out of that alone comes everything that God sees as well, good, or righteous in any aspect. There is no good in God's eyes that is not a manifestation of faith in the sacrifice. So let's look at this last verse again as we're about out of time. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, not because of the big pieces of stupid that we do, because our faith wasn't in 
what would bring about suffering for Christianity. And because our faith wasn't in what brings Christian suffering, therefore we bit off another big piece of stupid. Now most Christians don't even know the answer. They only see the acts of sin and, and spend their lives miserable until they see what's causing the acts of sin. And it's a misplaced faith. They say they believe in the cross. They have to because that's what their faith was in that saved them. But most know nothing about maintaining faith in the sacrifice of Christ for victory in their experience moment by moment. Most don't know that. And most, when we try to offer it to them, reject it. They get angry. Why? Christians. Because they're trusting in something else. It's always the case. I've been there. I speak from experience. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, which is according to this context of Scripture, only going to happen if we're obeying the gospel because that is the judgment of God that begins in the house of God, obeying the gospel. Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. There's a lot more that could be said here. I promise if you'll open your Bibles and put your face therein and open your heart and ask the Lord to show you, He will show you even more, much more than you've heard on this little broadcast today. He will fill your heart with His goodness, with His truth. And you will begin to see like never before the path of righteousness. I know it's true because He promised in Proverbs 4.18 that the path of the just being the path of the righteous would shine more until that perfect day. God bless you. So glad you joined with us around God's Word today. And I pray that He's been able to impart the wonderful truth into your heart of how suffering is a part of the judgment of God that begins in the house of God. And that's where we want to be found, my friend. Believing in Christ crucified. It's going to bring suffering, but we can choose to rejoice and glorify God in that matter instead of becoming ashamed and moving away from the place of being determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. I hope that you're praying for us. I hope that you're praying for Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas. And if the Lord ever stirs your heart to be a part of this ministry financially, you can bless Him with an offering through this ministry easily at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.